Well, it's Friday, and everybody knows it's Friday. It's time to go inside EMS. I am your host, Chris Abelero, and with me always is my faithful friend, 10 years, 600 shows, 2 million listens, the man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, Kelly Grayson, KG. How are things going on this week? Well, the ladies know, know I've got the power. You forgot you're with that. The ladies know that you're part. the man with the power. I cut it short. I didn't want to build your head up this <laughs> week, you. so we cut it short. It's good. It's it's been a uh, it, it was a good day. I we we actually had some productive discussion paramedic class, and and these guys uh, they they we did AMLS scenarios all day, and uh, they they did good. They're they're getting to be. Uh, pretty good clinicians. Um, they could be better communicators, but you know, we're working on soaking that. Their, soaking it's their, hard be, being new, being their in charge, though. you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you need me to you need me to come out of retirement and do some education for you? Oh no, no. I, I need an instructor, not a carnival barker. Oh, okay. so uh very good. Not <laughs> not funny, not funny. But we have a guest and he's there. We don't want to leave yeah. him waiting too long. He's a friend of the show. You know, we've we've tried to get him on. So Mick, we've talked so many times about having you on. Mick Gunderson, he's the president of the EMS Quality Academy. He's also editor in chief of the International Journal of Paramedicine and what we're going to talk about today. Uh Mick, I know you're a longtime listener, first time caller. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Glad we can finally pull this off. I mean, how long have yeah. we been talking about having you on? I mean, for it's been years and years. Ten plus right? years. You know, every time I see him at the conference, Mick, we got to get you on. We got to get, yeah, just let me know when. And I think some of that has fallen in my lap that I've never uh, followed it's, up. It's Sevalero's fault. Yeah. It's Sevalero's fault. We're excited. I mean, this is really something great yeah. to talk about. You know, the International Journal of Paramedicine. You know, Mick, I think the first question I want to ask you is, what was the brainchild of this? And, and moreover, what's the vision for this journal? Sure. So this is actually... Uh, version 2.0, if you will, of uh, NEMSMA's journal. A uh, little bit of uh, backstory here. The uh, NEMSMA itself began as a quality managers association and then uh, kind of transformed into more of a general EMS management association out of the realization that it isn't really the people uh, that were sitting in the cubicle with the red pen marking up, you know, paper charts, uh, you know, and playing quality cop in the corner that were going to change uh, process and system design and fundamentally improve the quality of what we do. It's really about uh, the whole way the organization is managed. And yeah. so we, uh, through some collaboration with uh, a number of people in the leadership of the association at the time, uh, most notably Todd Hatley, uh, we uh, kind of changed it into the National EMS Management Association. And part of the, uh, the vision we had when getting the organization started was to have a peer-reviewed academic journal that wouldn't be uh, limited to just clinical topics, but we wanted to do a whole lot more with uh, operations and administration. Uh, but you know, looking at it through the lens of, of science and uh, uh, scholarly discourse and, and those sorts of things uh, to just kind of elevate the level of discussion and uh, debate and dialogue uh, about what we do and, and how we go about doing it. So uh, we started the EMS Management Journal uh, back in the uh, early 2000s. And uh, 
that lasted for a while and we kind of got tangled up with another company uh, that ended up going belly up and ended up taking the journal with it, unfortunately. But I always wanted to get it restarted. But instead of having it under the control of a, a separate company, uh, this time I wanted to try to get it started again, but, you know, owned and self-published directly by uh, Nemsma. And uh, there's now open source software available to, to help uh, manage the back end of a journal instead of trying to do everything on Excel spreadsheets and stones and chisels and uh, that sort of thing. So we're uh, taking advantage of this uh, newer technology, if you will, to publish the journal and not really looking at the fact that it's an online journal as a limitation, but use it as more of an advantage yeah. because we don't have to be worried about page counts and things like yeah. that that you would with budgets for paper journals. So it allows us to do a lot of other things that you typically wouldn't see in a print journal. And uh, we're just trying to embrace all of that. And uh, so we, we got this journal started here. Uh, we're now in our fifth issue. We publish quarterly. And uh, it's really starting to take off. Uh, it is, yeah. yeah, I mean, and then just for follow-up, I mean, and the reason that I got in touch with you was because the latest issue just came out. And I was breezing through it and I said, I've got to get Mick on to talk about this. And, you know, I'm a fan of it and, uh, you know, I get the journal and, uh, it's been really, really interesting to hear the thoughts of, um, everyone who's publishing in it. But, you know, I guess just as a follow-up, Kelly, if you don't mind. So sure. in this five issues and you've been around EMS for a long time, what's been your aha moment? What's been your, you know, maybe even satisfaction of seeing this in print finally, but uh, I'm sure you got to be learning tons as this is going on. Yeah, well, uh, this is actually the sixth journal uh, that I've participated in the birthing of. Uh, I started uh, like a journal midwife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good way to a put journal it. Journal doula. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the uh, Set late 70s, I was working at a medical school uh, in Tampa in an oxygen transport physiology lab uh, studying shock and resuscitation. And uh, I, I quickly realized that the coin of the realm at the medical school was publishing in peer-reviewed journals. And I was working for uh, the chairman of the Department of Surgery, who at the time was also president of the American Trauma Society, he was a trauma surgeon. And I remember we were uh, working in the lab one day and we were just kind of talking back and forth. And uh, I said, well, what's the peer-reviewed academic journal for EMS? And he started laughing. <laughs> and the, the issue, you know, was that emergency medicine itself was just starting as a specialty. Uh, and so EMS was, you know, still a way, way, you know, several steps behind in in the evolutionary cycle of a profession and so they the, the profession just wasn't evolved to the point where it had a peer-reviewed journal yet yeah. and that's the way things were for several years and then down the hallway uh there was an engineer who got this new computer called a macintosh and i discovered it could do page layout and columns and everything 
And I thought, wow, so, you know, why don't I just start a peer-reviewed academic journal? And I was just, you know, me still riding backwards on the fire truck and going to school. Uh, didn't know I was supposed to be a big, fancy professional society and everything to start a peer-reviewed journal. I just talked to some uh, uh, faculty around the medical school and some of the local medical directors, and we started the Tampa Bay EMS Journal and uh, set up a peer review process. And within a year, it uh, went national as the Journal of Pre-Hospital Medicine. Uh, any EMSP was just kind of getting started itself. And they wanted to do a journal. And then a uh, couple names you might uh, remember from the past, a guy by the name of R. Adams Cowley, the guy who started uh, shock trauma mm -hmm. in Maryland. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a name from the past. Yeah. And he and Peter Saffer out of Pittsburgh, the guy who, you know, was basically developed mouth-to-mouth -mouth breathing, uh -huh. uh, got Nancy Caroline dragged into getting the Freedom House Ambulance Service started, you know, resuscitation scientist extraordinaire. Uh, he and uh, Dr. Cowley were editing the Journal of the World Association for Disaster and Emergency Medicine. And Saffer was just down the hall from Ron Stewart in Pittsburgh, who was the first president for NEMSP, and uh, they were having a conversation, and EMSP wanted to start a journal, and the WADM journal was kind of floundering, so they decided to combine forces and, and start uh, the first EMS journal, and then they caught wind of <laughs> Journal of Pre-Hospital Medicine from somebody they never heard of down in Florida, uh, and came to discover I was still riding backwards on a fire truck running, running calls. And uh, so, long story short, we all got together, decided to collaborate on it, and that's what started pre-hospital and disaster medicine, uh, which is still in print now, uh, uh, published by Cambridge University Press, and Sam Stratton out in L.A. is the editor. Uh, but uh, that's that's how that journal got started. Yeah. And uh, so those were the first three journals i helped a professional society in south america start a journal um emergencius medicus um but uh financially they weren't able to sustain the efforts so that one failed unfortunately then the ems management journal i told you about and uh this one's number six uh the cool. uh, international journal of uh, pre-hospital medicine okay. so i've been interested in academic publishing for a long time and I just thought it was something that I've kind of figured out how to do. And it was something that I could do to give back to the profession. Because I, I, you know, the, everybody working on the journal is a volunteer. Right. We self-publish. We don't have a uh, professional publishing house uh, funding all of this or anything of that nature. And my thought was we could approach this almost like the open source software community does, you know, all kinds of things the linux operating system a lot of the infrastructure right. that runs underpins the internet is done by thousands of volunteers all over the planet who don't even share the same spoken language yeah. but they can still put together millions of lines yeah. of computer code and yeah. make it all work so my thought was is that somewhere uh within the discipline not even limited to the united states we could find people to not only be peer reviewers, but copy editors, layout uh, editors, 
uh, proofreaders, statisticians, etc. And uh, so that effort has been very successful. And now we've got a team of over 150 people wow. working together to make this journal go. It sounds like a, a labor of love for a bunch of dedicated people and sorely Absolutely. needed. You know, yeah. you know I, I was trying to recall off the top of my head the, the names of any pre-hospital uh, peer-reviewed journals, and I could only come up with three or four. Uh, pre-hospital emergency care comes to mind. Um, the ones you mentioned, and, and this would be the, the fourth or fifth that I can think of. And that's, you know, to my mind, that's always been one of the, the biggest obstacles our advancement of a profession uh, is that the people that do research about EMS are not EMS. That's not to say that the research is bad, but they don't understand necessarily intrinsically what what our concerns are, where we come from, um, what's what's relevant to, or not to our care. Case in point, I, I gave my my students a, an assignment uh, a few uh, a couple of months back, um, and and they were citing Wikipedia. Uh, one person was was uh, dug up the the study, and I make air quotes when I say that uh, that uh, patients were were less likely to survive. Uh, uh, if they were transported in an ALS ambulance and they were in a BLS ambulance and, you know, oblivious to the fact that that was based on Medicare billing rates and, and not actual, <laughs> you know, not actual, um, um, uh, you know, uh, randomization or anything else. And so that segued into a great, uh, a great discussion about the validity of research and how, as a profession, unqualified we are to really evaluate the quality of research personally, yeah. and we don't have enough. We don't have enough uh, um, journals out there and examples for for what we should aspire to uh, in in being stewards of our profession. But my point uh, is that the people that most need to to read uh, current EMS research are the people most are least likely to read it. We all know the type. Um, it's the guy that's still practicing medicine or pre-hospital medicine like he did 20 years ago. And the drug, the names of the drugs change and the nomenclature changes, but he still has that same mindset. How do you um, make, make this palatable or sell it and package it to the rank and file EMT uh, or paramedic, someone with maybe not a college background, maybe not an, an understanding or appreciation for the value of research. How do you speak it to the masses and get them to understand? That's yeah, no, terrific points, Kelly. And and that really speaks to, to some of the core ideas for the vision of the journal. In addition to looking at things other than just clinical uh, issues, looking at operations, administration, mm -hmm. finance, uh, etc. Um, if you look at the, the masthead page of the journal where it lists all the reviewers, you'll find that mm -hmm. a lot of those folks are not affiliated with academic institutions. Uh, a lot of them, you know, don't have doctorate degrees, uh, etc. There's a mixture of what I call town and gown. There's people who uh, are from academic like backgrounds, do yeah. research. But say we get a manuscript in about emergency medical dispatch, for example. 
An academician will be able to look at it and the materials and methods and the statistics, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and evaluate whether or not the uh, the study design was sound, if they, you know, made their arguments, you know, uh, in line with the data, et cetera, et cetera. But I also wanted somebody who is at the tip of the spear, somebody who actually sits in a comm center and answers calls and gives pre-arrival instruction and does triage and does deployment and manages the comm centers and, and those sorts of things to also uh, give their opinions and perspectives on a manuscript of yeah. that nature. And that's one of the reasons why the editorial team is so large is I wanted a a very diverse editorial board with a combination of the academic background as well as the practical tip of the spear background, if you will. So I, mm -hmm. I think that will add some uh, validity and uh, street reality to, to, to some of the yeah. things that you'll see in the journal. But as far as outreach, one of the things we can do with the journal that's going to be a little bit different uh, than what journals have done in the past is I want to have a very, very strong social media presence. And this is part of the journal that's just now starting to get rolling. But <clears throat> when an article is published, it really disappoints me many times because it seems like it's the end of a process. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's been all this research done. They collected all the data. They ran the analysis. They wrote it up. They published the paper. And that seems kind of like the end of the story. But when I go to a, a scientific conference and they're presenting um, the, um, the research in an oral abstract format, at the end of an oral abstract presentation, you'll typically have all the other researchers that are working in that little area uh, sitting in the audience because they're going to be presenting later or already presented uh -huh. during the day. And they open up the floor for questions. And those other researchers or other clinicians that are in the audience will step up to the microphone and they'll start challenging, well, why did you use this particular statistical test? Or have you considered this other way of interpreting the data? And that kind of conversation is incredibly healthy uh, for moving the art and science forward. And I, I want to try to do something to encourage that same kind of dialogue in the journal. So what we're going to do is, is our letters to the editor uh, section of the journal, so to speak, yeah. is going to be called dialogues. But what we're going to do is going to be a little bit different. We're going to use the NEMSMA listserv, and uh, we're going to initiate message threads on the NEMSMA listserv for each of the major articles invite the authors to help start the conversation about their paper. And then through this very accessible format, we can have conversations on the listserv um, with those same kinds of questions and conversation back and forth between the authors, uh, the clinicians, the other researchers, et cetera, between themselves back and forth. And what we wanna do is curate um, parts of that message thread out and actually publish that in the pages of the journal as part of our letters to the editor or dialogue section. Do the same with posting things on uh, LinkedIn, um, other social media platforms, just so that it's gonna be pushed out there through Twitter, LinkedIn, 
uh, etc. Uh, so that people will find it a lot more accessible than just reading the dry journal article. Yeah. They'll be able to watch a YouTube video with us talking with the authors, and then in the comments on the YouTube page, again, have this kind of you know uh, healthy uh, debate, not just between the the academicians, but the people who are at the yeah. tip of the spear doing the job. Yeah, there there's certainly room for that on social media. God knows uh, most. EMS forums are are memes and dirty jokes and uh, and t-shirt ads, which I love me a good meme and dirty jokes, obviously. But um, there's there's precious little for for intelligent, high minded discussion about the issues of our profession. Uh, there's only a few, you know, there were that are really clinically astute. You know, you listen to Foam Frat podcast and and follow their page or St. Fisher's Church of Emergency Based Medicine. And those things, but I can't really think of a, a bunch of others offhand where you know you can you can interact and dialogue with the authors of a pre-hospital study. But I, I look forward to uh, to diving in there and and playing playing with the with those dialogues uh, when that when you roll that out. So, yeah, you know? and it's, it's an easy way to kind of get yourself into the discussion, potentially mm -hmm. even into the pages of the journal. Uh, kind of uh, uh, dip your toe in the water. And my hope is that uh, through that, people will get a little bit more interested, pay a little bit more attention to the research. Mm -hmm. My big aspiration is they actually read the full manuscript in the journal after, you know, hearing the, uh, the podcast or watching the YouTube video, uh, et cetera, <laughs> and uh, just start drawing them in. It's and... okay to dream, Mick. It's... Yeah, yeah. Well... <laughs> As an educator, we'll I'm still dreaming that they'll one day read the syllabus, but, you know. Uh. Well, funny, funny story about that, Kelly. When I started the Tampa Bay EMS Journal, uh, it was funny. I remember several people basically had the same conversation with me. That sounds great, Mick. You and four of your nerdy friends around the country will read this, and that'll be about the extent of it. And for a while, that was true. But, you know, kept at it. It's been growing. And so now I think we're up to six or seven. Well, that's, you know, the whole premise for this show is, is two nerdy paramedics sitting in the front of the truck between calls uh, discussing the, uh, the issues of our, of our profession. So, you know, 10, 10 million listens and six or 10 years of this. So, yeah, it, it works. Yep, it does. It works. You can find people. Hey, Mick, let's, let's talk specifically, though. I mean, we've talked about the, you know, the interaction, you know, we talked about how it started. What's the journal about? I mean, what what are the you know the different sections of the journal, and how, how what could people expect when they open that up? So it's it's quickly evolving. Uh, let me start out saying that right now we've been publishing a lot of traditional types of articles, research studies, uh, uh, literature reviews, uh, a few case studies, that sort of thing. But the vision for the journal is much, much broader. You'll notice, again, if you look at the masthead page, there's a number of different section editors there for things like performance indicators and uh, perspectives and uh, a bunch of other things, and it's not obvious what those things are about. But what those different sections are about is different types of scholarly or academic discourse, if you will. 
So for example, uh, one of the things we really want to, to try to encourage people to do is to publish uh, the methods and results of their agency's uh, quality assurance and quality improvement projects. Uh, we'd like to see agencies publish the specifications of their uh, KPIs or performance metrics. Uh, we'd like to uh, start publishing the kind of a standard set of specifications of different EMS systems around the world. So imagine uh, a set of parameters, you know, population size, square mileage, number of units, number of clinicians at different levels, all of these specifications about a system. And we, over time, try to hit uh, a variety of different systems around the world because right now the only place you can find those is in the materials and methods of a peer-reviewed research article. And not all agencies do peer-reviewed research. Not all of the papers they publish kind of give this more comprehensive view about the specifications of their system. Uh, so, so that's one of the other sections. Um, another one is comparisons. Again, you, you only see those with agencies that have published a peer-reviewed article. But let's suppose we want to look at the way that different agencies around the world um, declare STEM alerts, for example. We might, uh, the, uh, the comparison section would examine the processes for the same issue or, or process within an EMS system, but side by side. This is how London does it. This is how Sydney, Australia does it. This is how Los Angeles does it. This is how... Uh, Hanoi does it. This is how, you know, uh, Santiago, Chile does it, etc. So that we start getting this broader perspective about how different agencies around the world are addressing these different process issues. So there's a much broader variety of scholarship that we want to encourage in EMS. And again, it's not just about, you know, do we give drug A or drug B or use widget A or widget B to secure the airway, etc. We want to look at all of the different operational, administrative, and support processes that make up uh, a paramedicine system around the world. Awesome. And one last question for you, before we go to close, and, and this is something near and dear to our heart because EMS One is is famous for giving new people the opportunity to get involved and 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 write and and appear on podcasts and, and whatnot and and become stewards of their profession. How do people get involved on the International Journal of uh, Paramedicine? Uh, how do they contribute? How would they uh, be one of those volunteers you spoke of? Sure. So um, if you go to our website, internationaljournalofparamedicine.com, there's an about section and a um, uh, under uh, about there's also a little drop down called submissions and that'll describe how to submit a manuscript and what all the different categories are in the descriptions uh, for each of those so if you're an author and you want to publish you know your um, performance indicator that your agency uses or any of those sorts of things check that out definitely um, but if you'd like to get involved on the journal team which um, Given how many manuscripts we're starting to get in, it's yeah. You said something like eighty in the pipeline right now. Yeah, yeah. It, that's, it's that's it's, a it's amazing by any measure. Yeah, absolutely. So I need more reviewers. 
uh, both <laughs> academicians and, and people uh, from the tip of the spear. So if you're interested in uh, trying to do critical evaluations of uh, submitted manuscripts, even if you don't have a formal academic background, uh, that's okay. Uh, just have, um, you know, whoever is interested, send me an email, mick, M-I-C, dot Gunderson, at internationaljournalofparamedicine.com, and uh, we'll have a conversation about it, because I am looking for more people to not only be reviewers, but also participate in these different other sections we've been talking about. So there's a lot of opportunity for people who want to actually step up and do something about advancing the profession. This is an opportunity to do that. Right, right. Chris, you'll have to learn how to read first. But yeah, uh, as long as it's written in so, crayon, I'll be okay. <laughs> but hey, that that's great. We new new journal on the horizon. We've got five issues out already. The International Journal of Paramedicine. Um, so you've you've heard about the uh, the journal from from Mick, and if you're eager to get involved. Hit him up at the email address he provided. Um, we'd like to hear what you think about pre-hospital peer-reviewed research. How much of it is there? Um, where can you find it? Um, are you are, are you even reading peer-reviewed research? And if not, why not? We'd like to hear your thoughts at the show at ems1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Sevalero and our special guest this week, Mick Gunderson, Thanks for tuning inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next week. Bye.